Hi there, and welcome to episode four of the Gizra Way podcast. Today we're going to talk about Elm, the programming language and framework, with uh, a familiar guest, Amitai, co-founder and CTO of Gizra, and a new guest, Ryan, our senior developer and sort of, I guess, like grandfather Elm of, uh, of Gizra. He, introduces us to uh to all of the fun fun concepts so maybe today we'll we'll start with uh with ryan um to give a little bit of an introduction tell us how you uh, got into elm and how you got to gizra well i uh i had been doing uh, uh, a lot of programming over the years it had it had always been a hobby of mine and in the whole bunch of different languages some c some c plus plus and uh, uh java and then uh, most recently i'd been doing some java and javascript uh programming and it was actually my son alan that turned me on to uh to elm he uh uh, he had gotten interested in these functional programming languages, uh, Haskell in particular, and uh, I, I think he did. He didn't think I could handle Haskell right away, but uh, uh, he knew I was doing JavaScript stuff, and so he thought, "Well, look, Elm uh, is a functional language; it compiles to JavaScript. I should, uh, I should get uh, good old Dad to uh, get going on that." Wow! Challenge from your son. When it was good to have him around for the first while, uh, sort of my second brain, and uh, I, uh, I would look at function signatures, and I mean, at first, you know, it, it seems funny now, but uh, uh, Elm function signatures can be a little hard to read at first, and uh, you, you have to get a kind of an intuition for what they really mean, and then partial function application. I didn't know anything about that back then, and currying, and uh, you know, there were a lot of new concepts, and so I would uh, I, I would puzzle over something, and it wouldn't compile, and it wouldn't work, and so I'd yell, "Hey, Alan, uh, come over here! I, I need my second brain." And, uh, he would take one uh, look at it, and he would say, "Well, Dad, you just have to, you know, do this, and uh, then it would work." So he was very patient. And why did you stick with it? What what attracts you to it? Well. I think part of it is the the way that it uh, uh, part of it is the way that you can model data so well. Uh, there's something about um, the 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 way that you can type the data. I mean, I was used to types, you know, from Java and and C plus plus and and whatever, but uh, there was something about Elm's type system that uh, actually let you kind of say exactly what you meant. Uh, you know, if, if you might have a, a certain thing, but you might not, well, then it was a maybe. It was maybe something. And, and if something could be a number of alternatives, you just listed the alternatives and the various things it could be. And uh, uh, you, you, it, it, it's so expressive uh, that... Um, uh, you you can kind of think it, it you can think while you're writing the the program 
it uh, and and the, and the whole program ends up having a kind of a mathematical structure uh, it's it's all equations uh, your your program is is sort of one big set of unified equations and you sort of feel like you're you're really solving a problem somehow rather than just writing one statement after another uh, so it uh, i suppose it appeals to my 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 background originally was uh well i guess my my ba was in philosophy years ago and uh, and i had a real love for mathematics as a child so probably brings back uh, some of some of those feelings yeah it's it's interesting what you say you know c coming as a as a complete outsider um, or newcomer to functional programming um, for me the expressiveness of of elm and and how it reflects the the data model is is really attractive to me as as a manager of a project of Elm so that I can, it clearly articulates what it's doing. Um, and once you do get over the, the, the difficulties of maybe just understanding how it looks on a, on a page, you, you can really clearly see what's going on and what, what's happening and it makes managing a project really easy. So I, I guess I'll, I'll use that as a segue to reintroduce Amitai, whose, whose feelings about Elm from a business perspective are, are quite famous um, from his uh, talking about it consistently in blog posts and, uh, and, and really how it governs the philosophy of really how we approach projects. So indeed, hi everybody. Um, indeed, I was brought here in order to kind of probably to emphasize the business side. However, in the past three weeks, I've been constantly writing Elm, doing rewrites, massive rewrites, like 150, 160 files in Elm, and it simply worked. Uh, or a few tiny bugs, but it worked after so many things. So I'm just saying that I am also very technically uh, excited. Uh, I'm very technically uh, excited about it. I can maybe just to uh, tie together uh, Ryan's story of how, how I met him is about three and a half, maybe four years ago, after we've been a long time with Angular 1, I was looking for the next thing. And the next thing, uh, I started looking at React and Cycle.js, and each, each one uh, felt like more of the same. The same problems that I had uh, with JavaScript framework, I could find in other JavaScript frameworks. And then I saw Elm, and I was completely puzzled. I, I remember the first time that I saw it, you know, I read uh, Redux, kind of gives prior art and direct to Elm. I saw the syntax, I said, what's that? I closed it, and I think I opened it only one year later or something like that. And I read a lot, that's the way I always throw myself in the pool, I read a lot, and at a certain point, I wanted to make sure that I'm on the right path. And then I kind of uh, already knew Ryan's name from the Elm community, from you know, amazing packages and models that he has created. And usually all those stories start with uh, the rest is history. <laughs> so I approached him in order to get, I don't know, two hours consulting. And I don't know how many years have passed since, but. Uh, nowadays, Ryan is with us, and also just to finish that line, the uh, Alan, which is mentioned, is also working in a summer vacation uh, with us, 
and I can tell you that, uh, uh, well, Alan's level is definitely high, but I feel that the father has uh, reached a very, a very good level uh, by himself. Not, not to create competition between a, <laughs> a child and a father, but you've reached a, 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 pretty, a pretty amazing level. The way I, I seem to know what I'm doing now. You yeah. seem to know what you're doing, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and I've spent the last couple of days doing a, a pretty major refactor in an ELM program uh, myself. And uh, uh, w one of the practical advantages of ELM for developers is how courageous you can be about refactoring stuff. Uh, it, uh, uh, the way that the type system guides you and, you know, if you decide that there's one sort of corner of the data model that now needs to be different, uh, you just change it. And the compiler will show you exactly what broke. And you just go about fixing it. And once you fixed it, it works. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But my, my, thing, my thing had one little bug, too, when I ran it. But uh, yeah. I'm sure it's my fault. I'll fix it. <laughs> and I think it's courageous to the level that even if you don't know Elm, you jump in the code. Uh, Adam, this is maybe you can share your uh, past story about how we collaborated on Elm without you knowing almost anything about Elm. Yeah, well, well and, and before we get to that, I just wanted to say, you know, it was what, two days ago, Ryan, that you were starting to refactor the a section of the application we're, we're working on, which we'll talk a little bit about later. But, you know, I see those words, and, you know, as a ma manager of the project, I say, say Oh man, <laughs> stop! Like like all the like stop signs go up, and then like three hours later, you say like, "Well, I didn't quite finish it, but I'll finish it first thing in the morning." And then I'm like, "Yeah, sure, he's going to finish it first thing in the morning." And then he, of course, he finishes it first thing in the morning. So it it does it it, it 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 certainly allows developers to be more courageous, and and project managers, I think, have to catch up in courageousness because you know when you hear that word refactor, you think it's and. And it's, it's really useful in the context, again, of explaining um, to a non-technical user what's going on because, you know, you can explain the importance of data models and you can explain the importance of getting data models correctly to a client, but you can't always expect them to understand what it means to refactor uh, a code base. So when in our case, like a mother becomes a more abstracted patient. Um, we, under, we understand in, in data model terms, that's kind of a big deal, but a, a client may never, uh, never fully understand why that's such a big deal. And Elm really helps ease that pain a little bit, in my opinion. Well, pro, and programming is, is so funny that way because uh, there will be things that clients expect to take a real long time uh, that, that um, that are in fact really easy and you know can be done in an hour or two and then there's things that, that that clients will assume are just simple you know ought to just take an hour or two and and it takes two or three days uh, it's uh, it, it, it must be um, it must be frustrating for clients actually to you know to not really understand that. And in fact, I don't really know that all the time. I mean, the thing I was working on for the last couple of days, uh, it was, um, it was really just a, a kind of a change in our assumptions about how certain data would relate that, that now, uh, 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 now we were going to be in a situation where 
uh, the, the information you needed to know in order to calculate certain things had now changed because of business requirements. There were some new business requirements. And, and then threading that through the, the whole uh, system, you know, turned out to take a little while. Um, and you, uh, you never quite know how, how simple uh, things are going to be when you start them. Yeah, and I think the most attractive thing, and this goes back to the, the um, prototype project that Amitai was talking about before that we did for, was a, a, an inbox simulator that we were creating for a potential client who was doing um, training of their employees on how to respond to emails that are coming into to an inbox. And I'd, I'd not touched them, I'd heard Amitai, you know, jabber about it a little bit. And um, it seemed like, you know, the kind of thing that maybe he might get tired of in, in a couple of weeks. And, you know, we'd be moving on to Drupal 8 or something. And God forbid. And um, it was it was a unique experience because I, you know, I'd never touched anything like it. And I was amazed at two things. One, how quickly we could get an application up at a prototype scale and have it be usable and demonstrable to a potential client. That was, that was huge. And, and I think, you know, Amitai can speak a little, has spoken to that in terms of uh, Elm's guarantees that allow you to be able to do that. But the other thing was just that as a, as a rookie, I was able to really understand the, the data model and understand what was happening in the application that, that uh, allowed us to move quickly. Nothing needed to be explained to me. I could see it all happening in the, in the code and we could, you know, we could just move forward real, really quickly. So that, that part of it was really interesting to me. That's actually, I mean, it's an interesting when you compare Elm to some of its sort of cousins like PeerScript and, and Haskell, one of Elm's philosophies is to be very explicit, to, to not worry about boilerplate uh, too much, to not try to, you know, to not be too obsessive about condensing everything down and being sort of super clever and hiding stuff and making stuff automatic. It, uh, uh, Elm will often choose to make things explicit and in your face uh, when sometimes other languages will try to be uh, kind of clever and, and do things behind the scenes. And, you know, I wonder, I mean, I'd never really thought of this before, but I wonder wh whether one of the advantages of that is that it is easier to just look and see what's happening. Uh, yeah. Uh, for me, this is a strong point that, that you're raising because this is exactly what I'm thinking about Elm, both from a technical perspective, but also from a business perspective. So when it comes to Haskell, I'm really excited about Haskell. Uh, I'm talking about, I don't know, in the past two years that I want to introduce uh, Haskell backend in Gizra, and it, it never happened yet. I'm, I'm still uh, enjoying the, the idea that uh, eventually it will happen. And it, it didn't happen for two reasons. From a business perspective, it's hard to justify uh, a Haskell project, uh, if there is no specific demand, usually there is a demand for Drupal. That's one thing. The second thing is about uh, professionalism and knowing what to do. So the way I see it, uh, for example, Ryan for me is kind of uh, my own private uh, functional programming guru. There are, there are better developers maybe out there, but for me, like in terms of when I, 
when I have a problem I, or when I want, you know, somebody uh, to, to, to give me a feedback, Ryan is definitely the person to do it. And with that said, when it comes to Elm, I don't feel there is a huge gap uh, between he, what he's able to do. I think there is a gap between his uh, conceptual capabilities and abstraction capabilities. But in the end, Elm as a very specific path you are allowed to walk on, on. you cannot uh, divert from that. And I see it as a huge plus, because unlike uh, being in Haskell or the way I used to be in Angular, I don't constantly have the feeling that I'm a newbie. I, I've, you know, I passed the learning curve. There's some more learning to be done. There are more concepts, there are more patterns to find. But in the end, as Ryan is saying that, it's very explicit. It has a very opinionated way. And the second thing, and it's coming also from our pragmatic way, what we call the Gizra way of looking at things. And this is specifically what Ryan says about cleverness or code golf, you know, people trying to be as smart as possible just for the sake of smartness. But in terms of, is it really good for the project? You know, all this uh, premature optimization or abstraction. This is something that Elm kind of, shut the door and said there's no premature optimization because you have to define everything explicitly. So I absolutely love the very opinionated path it is uh, taking. I think a lot of people are avoiding it because they're either afraid of opinionated or they're afraid of the change. From my perspective and definitely with, you know, uh, the, uh, every new rewrite, every new application that I'm writing, Every time that I hear that people are not using more Elm or more people using Elm, I feel that I'm a bit on crazy pills. Like, why wouldn't you use the best language that I've ever came across, period, and for front-end development, uh, for sure. That's my sentiment. And I don't say it easily. You won't hear me say it about PHP or Drupal, for sure. Yeah, you, you know, the, the not feeling like a newbie piece is, you know, for a, a person who is constantly a newbie in every piece of technology that they they enter i'm still like i'm better at writing elm than i am at writing like jquery for instance i'm still like copy paste from stack overflow um for jquery and well i mean maybe there's not enough elm examples in stack overflow to copy paste but in in any case like i i just definitely feel more confident uh, i mean i guess the compiler makes you feel more confident but um i'm more confident uh not to break things Exactly. And, and we just uh, recently I had a discussion with Tryon and we discussed the fact that we've built quite a few different applications uh, for different reasons, for different uh, applications. And the amount of external uh, models or packages that you need is so limited. Like you have, I don't know, the 10, 15 different packages you constantly use. And that's it. And I think this is one of the reasons you probably don't see so much Stack Overflow questions. First, there aren't as many people using Elm. And there's definitely advantages for that. We can talk about hiring later. Uh, but also, you kind of break the... Elm helps you break the ideas into smaller concepts. This type system with a compiler, you kind of learn how to model the problems. You're not just looking for this copy-pasteable thing. You, you reach the understanding quite quickly and you are able to solve your stuff. So, so tell me a little bit more about uh, some of the challenges that you, you have with them with the small community and such. I honestly 
honestly uh, see only advantages honestly and I, I this is one of the cases um so very rapidly the history we used to do angular for a longer uh, a long time then i decided that we should dive into elm i i i've built uh, i've built uh, an elm application that kind of mimicked all the other angular application that we had quite quickly it became more stable more fun with tests uh, uh, than other production uh, uh, sites uh, that we had. And, and I've raised myself all the different concerns that one could uh, raise, like how would, how would we hire the small community? The fact that it's almost a one-man show. Evan is the guy who is like writing Elm and there's not like, you know, I'm coming from Drupal. I'm used to huge community. So this in the beginning was a kind of a red flag for me. And with time, I realized that there's definitely an advantage for this one-man show. There's definitely an advantage for, for a, a smaller community. So the advantage for the one-man show, from my perspective, is the fact that from one version to another, Evan actually removes features, which, again, coming from Drupal or any other big framework that you know, it's like the mind explodes. Remove feature? But what would the, corpor what would the corporates uh, say? So this is definitely like a good... A good thing. The, the second thing, and this, uh, I, I was like, all right, I'm learning Elm. How would, how would I hire uh, Elm developers? So first of all, if you're taking a seasoned developer, teaching them Elm, from my perspective, is easier than te teaching them Redux. Maybe it's easy to teach Redux, but in the end, the, the end product would be very buggy. And this Elm kind of makes sure that, that it won't. It's, it's doing the onboarding automatically. And second, and this is an advantage that I enjoy of, I hope it's somewhat temporary, the fact that the community is uh, quite low on one hand. On the other hand, everybody that is in the community are seasoned developers. These are all the de developers that already got burned by all the JavaScript framework and now they have five, six, seven years of experience and now they're doing Elm. So it's a weird advantage, but the fact that Quite a few seasoned Elm developers, but there aren't as many companies who offer jobs. So it comes to the fact that whenever we're looking for Elm developers, just posting in the Elm Slack, and immediately I'm getting bombarded with the best Elm developers uh, uh, out there. So again, the way I see it, it's, there, are hard, there are hardly any disadvantages to the current state of, of the Elm community. And, and that, um, that attractiveness speaks volumes internally, too. It is, as you know, the, there's pretty much everybody at this point in Gizra has touched some Elm and is at least learning, learning some Elm. And it, Drupal developers, PHP developers, and you know, I'm to the. I have a, a full like Drupal eight project, no Elm classic, very interesting project, but I, I can't get anybody who really, really wants to work on it because yeah. they they want to do the Elm projects. I, I, for sure, I mean, we uh, we have uh, uh, you know senior developers. Uh, I mean, we don't have junior developers anymore in Gizra. This is something we don't have. So we have seasoned developers, experienced developers who are doing Drupal for years. They are like, okay, they need to be kept motivated. And as it is, Elm is our motivation. So uh, I hear it from, uh, from time to time from, you know, Drupal developers who've been doing it for years and all right, it's Drupal 8, so it's not Drupal 7. And 
it's more of the same. And kind of Elm is kind of a, a gift we are able to provide. And most of our projects, even the ones which are only Drupal, we kind of get to get some Elm insights just because, you know, it, it, it's fun and it, it, it often uh, makes sense to have some hybrid uh, solution. Yeah, you, you said something on the first podcast about um, if you scratch Drupal 8 hard enough, you'll, you'll find Drupal 7 underneath. And I think once you get past, you know, configuration management and the hooks are gone and, you know, object-oriented, okay, so it, then it starts to lose your... So after you've done one project, you're like, okay, I get this. This is pretty much the same thing as it ever was. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's my perspective. So Ryan, tell, going back to this project that we're working on, which I'll, I've, I've discussed in previous podcasts, but just to give a, a, a recap to somebody who's entering anew, it's an electronic medical records application. It's for, um, originally built for a, an organization who does counseling with mothers who have HIV um, in Rwanda. Um, so that they do not pass the virus to their child. And one of the key aspects of their work involves demonstrating to the mother that if the mother sticks with the program and does the things um, that they're supposed to do, the, the child will thrive. Um, so part of the application is reflecting back some of that data about the growth of the child um, to the mother. That's sort of the essence, and we like to talk about like the essence of the, of, of the project. There's all kinds of other technical stuff going on there, like low bandwidth environments and online and offline and, and um, how we're um, recording and capturing the, the data. But I feel like in some ways that's like the real essence of it. And for me, that's the part where like, I feel that working in, in Elm has allowed us to be much more explicit about what it is that we're, we're doing and keep the business logic of what we're trying to do in sync with the, the logic of the, of the application that, uh, that, that we're building. So I don't know, Ryan, maybe you want to talk a little bit about what you find interesting about the, the project, either in that regard or any, really. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. And it, it actually took me a little while to figure that out. I, uh, I didn't really say it at the time, but when, when I started working on, uh, on this app, I, was, uh, I, I didn't really have a clear conception about why this was being done, if you know what I mean, because there's lots of medical records apps out there. It, uh, um, but as, especially after I started going to some of the meetings with you, with the clients, and, and hearing what they had to say, uh, I, uh, uh, I realized that, um, that this was very much about the nurse, uh, the, the nurse-mother interaction and, and making sure that the app uh, actually enhanced that interaction uh, rather than getting in the way. Uh, because it's really easy to write uh, uh, something like a medical records app from the top down with all your sort of corporate headquarters uh, uh, statistical and and you know requirements and and this and that and and th but but you know in a way that actually makes the you know the, the live interaction of the nurse and the patient harder rather than easier and what we were doing 
here was building up from exactly how they wanted that interaction to work and exactly what the user interface needed to be and what the flow needed to be in order to, uh, uh, to make that uh, interaction a positive one. And, and Elm, I was thinking the other day about, you know, what kind of projects would I, would I sort of advise people are really good for Elm and, and what kind of projects might you do, you know, in a different framework. And one of the nice things about Elm is the way that when you have a particular vision for the user interface that's a little different and, and a particular vision for how the flow of the app is going to work, the way that Elm lets you model stuff explicitly and uh, the, the, the various guarantees and just the whole way it works makes that uh, a really kind of pleasant thing. Now, if you were doing a kind of a standard, uh, you know, corporate business intelligence app that was, you know, putting the table of table, table upon table of data and, and sorting and dragging columns here and there and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and you had a bunch of sort of pre, you could basically construct it out of a bunch of standard predefined widgets that there's a widget set out there that you can, you know, that you can pick and, and, uh, you know, et cetera. Then, Maybe that like there there isn't a whole ton of uh, standard user interface stuff for Elm at this point. There's some, but there's not a whole ton. But for a project like this, where in many ways the whole point is to make the user interface and the user experience just so, uh, Elm really shines. Yeah, yeah, and there's a there's a couple things in there. First of all, that. Um, one of my favorite learnings from this application is the the notion. I, th I think the common conception about like building an electronic medical records app or any sort of um, app like that, where the the overall assumption might be that you're making people's lives easier. That like you know by putting this product in the nurse's hands, you're going to make the recording of data much easier. And what I learned really quickly is that that was not true. That by putting the, this tablet device that they'd never used before with this application on it that they've never used before, which was in prototype um, or you know MVP format, so it was clearly going to not have everything that they they desired. Um, we're making their lives like exponentially harder. They had to learn something new, and our job was to stay razor focused on what were the things that we were trying to improve. As you said, the, that interaction between the nurse and the mother. And how are we going to make that better and ease the pain of the things that were um, going to make their lives more, more difficult? So, so I have a question to, to Ryan, because you mentioned about when you would suggest another framework. And I know that in Gizmo, we kind of pulled you, pulled you from PureScript back into Elm. You've been dabbling a bit with PureScript. Uh, I, I, I'd wonder, like... Uh, is there a, a scenario or scenarios that you would go specifically with pure script or like what, what's, what's your, uh, what's your angle on that? Well, the, in fact, well, what you actually originally pulled me from was uh, smart client, uh, which is a, a commercial uh, JavaScript um, uh, framework that, uh, you know, that you, you, you buy a license for and, uh, 
I had been working on that for a while. I saw, I saw, I saw only your open source contribution. If it was close, I yeah. didn't say it. But you actually wrote the, kind of a, a Elm in PureScript, kind of Elm. Uh, uh, yeah. So PureScript. I mean, I love PureScript. Uh, in fact, if I, if I could convince you to switch from Elm to PureScript, I would probably do it. Uh, but uh, I don't think I can convince you. But uh, uh, it's a wonderful language. It's it's sort of like uh, it's it's uh, compared to Elm, PureScript has. Um, uh, it's it's a little bit more like Haskell. It's it's a little bit more sophisticated. Its its type system is um, more sophisticated than Elm's. Elm's type system to to someone coming from JavaScript, Elm's type system seems extremely sophisticated, but in fact, it's missing uh, a couple of things that uh, uh, that say Haskell and PureScript have that uh, uh, can be very helpful and. Uh, uh, but I mean, the advantages that PureScript would have over uh, Elm, um, well, I mean, you, you, you know some Yisid uh, on the Haskell side, and you know some of, the, some of the really funky stuff that it does with types, like say with Esqueleto or that sort of thing, where you can, at the type level, you can, um, uh, you can, you can actually track the type of each field uh, in a database table, for instance. And so let's say you're constructing a patch request. Um, you, wanna, you want to just change a couple of fields. You can construct it in a type-safe way uh, because the, the compiler actually has a, a conception of, of what the type of each field is. And uh, uh, doing that kind of thing uh, in Elm, uh, on, on the client side, is harder. Um, like we've got a nice package now that, uh, uh, that allows you to uh, uh, kind of organizes the interaction with the back end and uh, uh, has some, uh, some nice type safety guarantees. Um, but because of some limitations in Elm's type system, we can't drive it uh, quite to the same level that you could drive it in PureScript. Uh, so, but, but I mean, the chief disadvantage of something like PureScript compared to Elm is like more magic uh, with the type classes, with some of the more complex uh, uh, type features. Uh, onboarding people it would be a bit harder. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a, definitely a trade-off. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this is, by, by the way, the reason that... I've said no pure script because for me this is a, the the price is is too high. Like what you're saying, the limitation of the type systems. These are limitation, and I can definitely say it more confidently now after years of doing Elm. I don't see them as uh, uh, showstoppers to building the different application, and definitely the application that you've written, that medical record, which is. Pretty crazy in terms of, you know, it's completely offline, so you don't need the internet. You can upload images while being offline. You can, you know, uh, submit the forms and whatnot. I think this is a, a high level enough for me to, uh, uh, to say, okay, I know there are some uh, higher, uh, more sophisticated, but I'm kind of afraid of those sophisticated being. Uh, being having that uh, very specific way of going and being uh, super opinion, I'm super. I'm a super opinionated person, 
Uh, so maybe I like super opinionated uh, frameworks. Yeah, and uh, you know there are there are a few things in Elm that. Like JavaScript is full of these, uh, uh, and JavaScript and say PHP are full of these things that you kind of have to remember, if you know what I mean. Like you, you sort of have to know, like they've got good parts and bad parts. And uh, uh, there's, there's things that you, you just have to kind of keep in your head. And one of the nice things about Elm is that it, it, it has almost none of those. Uh, it's almost all good parts. Uh, there are a few gotchas in Elm. There are a few ways you can shoot yourself in the foot. Oddly enough, uh, equality is probably the biggest one. Uh, if, if Elm could uh, kind of fix the way that it handles uh, how you compare things for equality, then, uh, then I'd almost be a completely happy camper. So yeah, one of the things I was um, I was struck by on another project that we worked on, again being uh, being a newbie to the to, to the language, is how much of the user interface stuff that isn't there just because it's uh, it's a new system. Like we did that one thing where we were just um, uh, filtering uh, photographs and you know using drop downs and 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 we had to build from scratch that that sort of uh, filter. I, I think it turned out to be fairly um, straightforward for you to do, but it's not like there's a, a million libraries out there to use for some fairly common um, user interface uh, stuff that's out there. Yeah, and I think that's where the small size of the community and, and the, the relative newness of Elm, you know, is a bit of a disadvantage compared to other frameworks. Like there, you know, there isn't this uh, sort of cornucopia of, uh, of widgets uh, out there that are uh, pre-built for you. Uh, now, of course, the corresponding advantage is that the stuff that is there tends to be a very high quality, and so you don't have to uh, kind of sort through 27 different ways of uh, doing, you know, a, a, a date, uh, you know, a date picker. Uh, although, actually, date picker is a bad example because date picker is probably the one thing in Elm where there are five or six different things to sort through. Uh, but uh, uh, so, you know, if you've got a project that where it, it really is just a question of wiring together a, a bunch of uh, uh, different uh, uh, standard widgets that you're very familiar with, uh, then, you know, Elm isn't always necessarily the best choice. Although there are some hybrid approaches possible, too. I haven't actually tried it, but... Uh, in some cases, you can you can set things up so that you're doing your business logic in Elm, and you're uh, kind of treating Elm as a kind just a kind of a state machine. And uh, if you've got a whole bunch of JavaScript widgets that you already know very well how to wire together, uh, you can use uh, the uh, Elm to kind of track your your model and and its updates and its transformations and then just feed that to your JavaScript code in order to draw your user interface, if that's the kind of project you have. I have some experience with that, and I, I, I'd like to show the, the, the other side of the coin. is like, if you're looking at select2, for example, the JavaScript widget, and what you're saying, fairly straightforward, we all know that you know, it's big words. Uh, 
because the fairly straightforward has a million different variants, how you want things to work. And you always end up with those tiny libraries becoming huge and in terms of customization, because your use case is almost always slightly different. And then we say, and actually try to do this interaction between select two, you know, through ports pushing, and it became more awkward than just building, just building whatever uh, I needed uh, myself. So definitely, I think for sure, if there would be a bigger community, there could be more packages. But I think what Al kind of brings to the table is, what do you need exactly? Model your types exactly to what you need, and then the, the HTML kind of flow follows. For me, the HTML is kind of a side effect of, of your model. So sometimes uh, you might come and you say, oh, much, there's too much work. I wish I had this library. And then you might find the library and you, you figure out that that library even is just, just customizing it would take more effort than uh, what is needed. Um, I think, but there, I think there is indeed, like Ryan said, there is a good balance between not having the libraries, let's say, and having really quality libraries, even ones that you won't necessarily use, but you could copy kind of the, the abstraction and the conceptual uh, uh, ideas that, that we have. And I mean, from our side, Gizra being very Gizra, we are open sourcing, we're taking out and you know, abstracting some of the ideas that we have, so uh, Ryan being uh, way too modest, so I will, uh, I will say, has contributed a bunch of different uh, Elm packages that make a lot of sense, not just for our application. Uh, they do integrate very nicely with Drupal, let's say, but there is the Elm RESTful that kind of abstracts this idea of the endpoint on the server. Is it a read-only? Is it write-only? What kind of values will I get? The idea of logging, how do I log in? Think that sounds again straightforward. What do you mean? How do I log in? But maybe I have an access token. Maybe this password is working. Maybe it's not working. Paginated data, what we call, for example, I'm calling a URL. I get the first 50, and I know there's another page, the next page, to get 50 items more and more. So we we took those packages, this concept that we're working on, and we're trying on different on different uh, uh, on different. Um, um, project and it's really nice because it's starting as an internal model and then uh, often you know Ryan goes over the different projects and starts implementing them if it's compiled if it's working you kind in two or three different projects you already know that it's uh, publishing uh, uh, worthy so we, 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 we do our share in helping and uh, you know moving forward in terms of providing those high quality uh, packages. Yeah, and I think that, that's actually the part of my job that I enjoy the most is uh, uh, looking, at our, looking at our different apps and seeing what's worked in, in two or three of them and then uh, coming up with a little package. And then, and then you end up polishing a little bit more than, than you would you know, uh, in, in a single app. You, uh, you try to write a little bit better documentation and you think even harder about the types and you, uh, uh, you write uh, some more tests. And, uh, and then I, I really love seeing how they evolve. I mean, we've been doing that in the last couple of weeks. I uh, yeah. like that Elm RESTful package. You've been using it in a, a different application that has a, a bit of a different take on, or it, it, it just has a, you know, some different needs, some different use cases. And uh, it's been fun to uh, 
to see what you come up with and then see how we can handle them. You know, how can we integrate uh, these use cases into what we were doing in the past in a kind of an elegant way? Uh, yeah, and I think for sure. And, and what's nice about those conversations is that we often talk in types. We, we, I mean, when I talk with Ryan, who, who will later write, write it, we don't bother even talking about what's the actual implementation, because it, again, it's kind of an effect of what the type would look. So we have, for example, this notion of login. So we had the type saying, what are you? Are you an anonymous a user? And at the time, we also had the third one, checking if you are currently an authenticated user. So we had a discussion through the types, and I, I told Ryan, listen, from my perspective, there is no uh, third uh, option, checking. There is either you're anonymous or you're authenticated. There's nothing in the middle. So the entire conversation wasn't about how to implement it. It was about how do you model the real world into, into the Yelm code. And it's just fun because then the implementation, I wouldn't say it's obvious. You need to be a Ryan to later implement it, but kind of cascades from from that definition yeah that that's that's exactly right and and once you once you get the types right um it's often the case that there's virtually only one way to implement it uh yeah. not not always but it, it's often the case that you know if, if you've if you've got the types correct then implementing it is well, again, it's it's almost a mathematical operation. It's it's almost like proving something, and uh, and I, I really enjoy that aspect of it. And I I, I just enjoy looking at Elm code uh, by now. And there's something now. I mean, now that I've been doing it a couple of years, I, I can look at a, a you know a page of Elm code on the screen, and I can almost tell without reading it whether it's good code or not. Yeah. Like there's something about its shape uh, yeah. that that you know already tells me. Uh, and if I think back, we've gone through maybe two kind of transformations in the way we write Elm code. You know, over the last couple of years. And when I think back to how how we uh, how we did things like in the very first files on the very first project. Uh, oh man, that was terrible. <laughs> I, uh, I call it, I call it that we were young and needed the money phase. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it is actually possible to, if you try hard enough, it, it is yeah. actually possible to write incomprehensible Elm code. Uh, yeah. it, it can be done, but it does take a fair bit of effort. And just last remark for those listeners at home that hear Ryan say mathematical and mathematics, I'm a completely non-mathematical. I mean, if Adam knows it, if he tells me numbers, he can see that my eyes get blurry. I know nothing about mathematics and I think I'm doing quite well with Elm. So this is definitely not, uh, I mean, it definitely can help you, but it's not a prerequisite uh, uh, well, and I could have sworn you were wrong, like that example of anonymous and authenticated and checking. I could have sworn you were wrong about that. <laughs> uh, and, but, uh, okay, I thought, okay, I'll humor Amitai. I'll try it this way and see what happens. <laughs> oh, it was far better. It, okay, so, sometimes, sometimes I get it. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, I think we probably um, satiated everybody's, uh, everybody's need to, to learn a little bit more about Elm. So maybe we should uh, wrap it up here. Sure. It was a pleasure talking with, uh, with everyone today. And 
hopefully we'll talk again soon about, I don't know, maybe pure script, triple uh, <laughs> A, who knows, who knows. Have a good day, everybody. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Thanks. See you later. Inside the dark, I'm gone.